0: Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. We are so glad to have you here today. And we'd love it if you'd go leave us a rating and a review when you finish listening to this episode. We love to read those and we use them to get better. And we might even read yours on the next episode.
1: Man, we should, we need to do that. We need to do a little uh, review reading. Yes, we do. Uh, but we'll save that for now. I'm your host, Ben Trueblood, and I'm sitting here with Nathan. What's up? And Katie. Hello. And we're excited for another episode with you. We're getting ready to have a great conversation with Brian Press and Katie, why don't you introduce Brian for us?
0: Brian is the lead student pastor at Battle Creek Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he says he is the type of leader who thinks of six crazy ideas to try before breakfast, but talks himself out of five of those ideas by lunch. Brian loves trying new things, building and developing teams, and is crazy passionate about reaching the next generation for Christ. Brian and his wife, Jen, have two incredible kids named Ezekiel and Sayla. Brian, we are excited to have you on
1: today.
2: What's going on, guys? How are we?
1: Man, we're good. It's so good to see your face. And uh, man, I'm looking forward to this conversation because, I, I mean, it was uh, in your bio, uh, but I, I know this about you, that team building uh, and leading people. It's a strength of yours. It's something that you enjoy doing. Uh, And so we'll be talking about that as it points to volunteer leaders in student ministry here in just a minute. But before we get there, man, I'd love for you just to introduce our audience uh, to Tulsa. Introduce us to the work that you do there at the church uh, at Battle Creek and give us give us an idea of, man, what, yeah, what your role is. And then kind of like, Man, how's Tulsa been over the last year?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, so it's been good. We, uh, Like she said, I'm the lead student pastor here at Battle Creek, and that's a fancy title that just says I get a chance to be the chief servant for student ministry across the six campuses here at Battle Creek. And so we are uniquely spread out about 20 minutes apart from each campus all over the city of Tulsa, and it's really neat because each campus is vastly different than mm-hmm. the next. And so it's been the greatest honor and fun of my life, but also the greatest challenge of my life, trying to figure out ministry in essentially six different contexts at the same time. And so uh, my job and my role is more so just to kind of set vision direction for student ministry as a whole, but then, you know, coming alongside of a team of student pastors to encourage and to, equip them and what they're doing across the the campus that they're at so
1: man in terms of like pandemic stuff uh just give us a little bit on how that's impacted student ministry for you guys over the last year maybe some things that have come out of that that you're like man this was we're gonna hold on to this because of, of what we've implemented over the last year
2: yeah that's great uh i think the pandemic in so many ways changed the game altogether i think you know in oklahoma was certainly different than a lot of areas where it was a little bit more serious or more uh controlled as far as you know what you could or couldn't do i think oklahoma has been to a certain degree a little bit better than most i will say though it still cost us to not reinvent the wheel but really begin to kind of think different you know what is the what are the things that God is wanting us to do and change and look different uh, in the way of, if I can best describe it, uh, kind of an analogy I took from our pastor, which is that God is allowing us to put new wine and new wineskins. You know, I think in a lot of ways, we've, as the church, are notorious for trying to put old wine and new wineskins and trying to figure out, you know, based on how we've always done it, how to do it new. And, and so I think. For us, it's been, uh, which my personality lends itself to this, which is, I just want to try. You know, I'm, I'm not afraid to fail. And so, you know, trying new things. And, you know, a great example of that is how we kind of refocus our attention on like our mission as a student ministry. What are we doing missionally? Yeah. And uh, we, we're, we as a church are laser focused on the Middle East. So we're still taking a trip to Egypt at some point. But. As of right now, we've kind of reinvented the way that we do local mission and how we care for Mm -hmm. people through the way that our month to month uh, student ministry runs is uh, we come alongside of our community groups and do a thing called Care Portal, which is essentially community groups going uh, to a Netflix of care needs. And they're kind of taking these needs and they're going and running with it, whether it's like. like a foster uh, family who is uh, in need of a bunk bed or something like that, you know, how can we come alongside of and serve a family that's in need? Uh, but then we, instead of doing like a week long mission trip, we took that concept we said, okay, well let's break it down essentially into four or five different experiences over the next year. And we took uh, what we're calling serve to you. Well, basically four or five two day experiences. And we're doing like a learn and serve where one day we just do training, seminary, almost type stuff where we equip students and uh, some sessions and uh, really preparing them for the work. And then we'd go out the next day and serve all day in a different context. And we are coming alongside of partners that our church is already in partnership with, um, serving in the community. But that's just one you know, small glimpse, yeah. I guess, of how we've kind of just said, hey, we're gonna do things a little bit differently than maybe we've always done.
1: Man, thanks for sharing that. Uh, Alex Amaya is the senior pastor of, of your church for for those uh, who are listening to the podcast. And if you're not familiar with Alex, um, incredible communicator, uh, amazing, amazing communicator, really, really strong visionary leader. Um, what's something that not everybody gets to see about Alex's leadership that has impacted you? Oh, that's good.
2: Um, I'd probably say just how uh, he brings people into the process. So, you know, for a multi-site church and a large church, it's easy for someone in the top position to uh, kind of navigate their world and then leave the rest up to everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I think in a lot of ways, Alex uh, loves to involve. He's We have a young staff in general, uh, but he loves to involve people across the board. And so he's, 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 bringing in people on our staff team inside the inner circle all the time. One of the ways he's doing that right now is uh, content teams. So like in his sermon planning for Sunday mornings, he's invited people outside of their normal job responsibilities to say, Hey, do you want to be a part of these content teams? Everybody kind of volunteered, signed up, so to speak. And we had, I don't know, probably 30 to 40 people on our staff team that said, Hey, yeah, I want to be a part of that in some way. And then we, divvied up these uh people into different teams and so like the people that were already on his content team which i'm gracious enough to be a part of which is i get a chance to lead now a team of you know 10 people who are going to help produce content for this series coming up that we're doing starting this sunday called giants but a part of that is alex is now going around and meeting with us individually and hearing ideas hearing proposal hearing inside but then he's giving us you know insight into what he he does, how he processes through sermon direction, things like that. And so, uh, just for somebody who is so big picture visionary and leads, you know, running forward, you know, he is really good about inviting people in the process and allowing creativity from people inside the organization all the way down to kind of come into play, which is really neat,
1: man. I love that because, uh, I mean, like your setting is large church, multi-campus, that kind of thing. But, a student ministry leader of any context can take that principle and say, yeah. man, there are there are so many things where if we're not careful, we can slip into navigating in our own lane and in our wor- our own world and just expecting everybody else just to jump on board on their own or forgetting about them entirely. But that principle of right. bringing people into the process, creating ownership, I mean, that's a big deal principle for any leader of any size organization right man when we think about I'm gonna dovetail that into our conversation today on helping leaders uh, avoid burnout and specifically volunteer leaders now you've been doing student ministry a long time and there's no doubt that you have seen leaders get to the place in serving as a volunteer leader where they're just like I've had it I don't like I'm just done. I'm tired. Whether it's these students aren't listening to me, or you know, there's there's a lot of reasons why people get to that place, uh, and we want to unpack kind of some of those reasons and warning signs and all of that stuff. But as we begin that part of this conversation, man, I'd love for us just to walk through so people can learn from the process that you have. We're gonna ask that you invite us into your process for this a uh, little yeah. bit. Walk us through how you recruit new leaders to join, join the team?
2: So my team always makes fun of me, but they, they, they call me ABR from time to time, which is always be recruiting. Hey, Uh, I like it. I like it. Uh, But that's, that's essentially it. It's, it's how can I be recruiting in every avenue that God already has me in? Mm. So uh, for us as a church, one of the best avenues of that, that's really kind of come to life in the last year and a half of our church, which is, our advanced track, which a lot of churches have like a grow track or some kind of onboarding process for families in their church to come into the church and be a part of the church in that way. And so for us, it's our advanced track and it's a four week course where people go through this and kind of learn the ins and outs of our church. And even spiritual gift tax is very in depth to helping them move to a place of service. Mm. And so out of that, we've been really lucky. And I think, beneficial from that process as a student ministry specifically because so much of our new volunteers are coming out of that advanced track where they're almost coming to us. Whereas it used to be, man, I was always running and gunning to try to find people. Mm. Uh, that's been a huge blessing that our church has kind of bought into the hole and really helping shape people to a place of service. Um, so that is definitely helpful. But even in that advanced track, one of the things that we're doing is, and one of the things that I think is probably one of the more, important principles for recruiting is the best recruiters of leaders or other leaders i think mm-hmm. i learned that from something right. good somewhere but uh, <laughs> probably but, so <laughs> volunteers are always going to be the best recruiters of volunteers and so even in our advanced track process we get to week four and a lot of our ministry areas come in to help shape and talk about what it is that we do as a ministry well even in our own church, we have a lot of staff that tend to go and do that. Well, for me, I have just said from the beginning, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to send a volunteer who's probably the best of the best mm-hmm. uh, in our ministry, and I'm on them to go and cast vision, them to go and set direction, them to go in and say, "Hey, this is why I love student ministry." Yeah. And out of that, that's been the, a huge win because, like, for instance, here at Broken Arrow, we have a lady named Tiff Jones who is probably the best volunteer I've ever served with in my life mm. and it's just uh, not only a great servant uh, but she is also such a great storyteller and she tells the story of what God's done in her life through serving a student ministry and she goes in that advanced track and cast vision and we get tons of people coming in our ministry because of that so uh, just volunteers the best recruiters of volunteers and then we try to do other things with our staff to try to challenge them to go hey how are you being intentional in your time to go and meet and connect with families. And so like even for a Sunday morning, get your work done on the front side of a nine o'clock service so that you can go in the hallways at 845, meet, greet, talk with families, catch them after service, getting connected with different people, and then asking those kind of questions. Hey, are you serving anywhere? You know, what what is it that you feel like God's leading you to do? And it's usually in those conversations that we try to push into to a place of service, hopefully namely in student ministry.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Uh, and then, you know, we'll see where it goes from there, but.
1: So after they've jumped on board with you, what are some things that you do training and development wise throughout the year to stay connected with them?
2: Yeah. As far as like logistically, we it's primarily done in, in kind of three veins of thought or four veins of thought. one is kind of the two pillars throughout the year, which is we do a big training in August and a big training in January, which is kind of typical of most churches where you try to catch them on the front side of a semester and you go, Hey, how can I equip and, Uh, get people ready for what we're doing these next several months. Um, So we do those big kind of pillar trainings. And then we do monthly check-ins and encourage our teams across every campus to do, you know, different monthly check-ins, whether it's relational hangouts, whether it's, uh, you know, an actual formal training. And maybe there's a need that has popped up in their ministry that they're like, hey, my small group leaders just are struggling with how to actually lead their small groups. Well, maybe one month they take that approach for that, that session or whatever, or it's just building community. Maybe it's going out and hanging out together, doing things together, uh, but that's kind of a monthly check-in. And then the weekly leader huddle is is really the key. Mm. And I think a lot of people are intimidated week to week to talk about some training issues and things that are going on or things that need to be addressed. Uh, but if you can take even a 15-meter time, take five minutes to talk, about, hey, here's the focus for this week. Here's the thing that I want you to remember this week. Here's the thing that we're doing and that we're caring about with students this week or whatever, then I think that goes so far with student, or excuse me, with volunteers that are so busy on a constant. But if they're catching that weekly vision and they're catching that weekly training that you're kind of dropping into their lap, I think that's huge. And then, of course, resourcing them throughout the week, anything that we can give them, send them, you know, encourage them with, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So that kind of stuff. uh, And as you listen to this podcast, um, student ministry folks, the, the reason why we wanted to start off this conversation about helping leaders avoid burnout is because that recruiting process on the front end and then... Those weekly, I have. I love how you have an organized Brian with weekly, monthly, and those larger quarterly things. Uh, doing that stuff on the front end and throughout hopefully keeps people from getting to the point where they're like, I just can't do this anymore. Um, But we know it still happens, we know that along the way, sometimes that still happens. So, why do you think leaders get to that point? of being burned out or just exhausted of serving in student ministry?
2: I think the two primary things are they don't feel empowered and they don't Mm -hmm. feel energized. Um, And when I say empowered, I mean that they don't feel ownership of the ministry in some capacity um, to which, you know, we can dive into that. And then the other side of that is they don't feel energized is that they don't feel cared for, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that they don't feel like you're, you know them, that you see them, and that you care about them, the individual, before them, you care about what they can do for you. Um, and I think that's, that's a huge thing with even our student team that I try to stay on a constant so that they say it with their people, which is, I care more about you, the individual, than I care about what you can do for me. Yeah, But I can't just say it, I've gotta live that out, right? right. I've gotta act
1: on it, so. Man, that one phrase is such a big deal because it is so easy. I think, in leading student ministry, not in an unhealthy, like derogatory way, but to get to the point where our leaders are seen as people that help us accomplish what we want to do rather than caring for them as people. And again, I don't think there's an unrighteous motivation behind that. I think that's just the easiest place for us to slide into yeah. is to care about their role almost more than caring about the person. What are some things that you guys do to make sure and re, reinf- like you said, you've got to walk that talk. What are some things yeah. that you guys do to keep that in the forefront?
2: Well, I'll say this first, like part of the reason I remind our team of this all the time is because I have to remind myself of this all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just I know historically, especially early on in ministry, so much of what I focused on was how can you know Greg accomplish this task or how can Ron help me with this specific thing? Yeah. And not necessarily, hey, what's going on in Greg's life and his family? You know, and I think that's that's what's been such a burden for me of going, I can't just I can't just say it, I've gotta live it. And so some of the ways we do that is obviously in uh, connecting with Uh, individual people as best we can. And so, you know, one, I'm limited by my capacity. So my capacity is only so much that I can do on a consistent basis. So I have to build in layers of leadership in my student ministry organization to help me to care for a specific number of people so that they can care for a specific number of people. And what I mean by this is like, for me, I do this with our student team or I try to do this with some key volunteers. But for our student pastors, it plays out in – how can I take my, you know, my coordinators or my kind of my linchpin volunteers that are really helping me execute at a high level? How can I go and meet with them at Chili's and sit down and talk about what's going on in life, how their kids are, connecting with them? If I'm going to go to a sport venue that week, I'm going to go and connect with their kids. I'm going to go try to encourage their families. I'm going to try to check into their world. And then outside of that is hopefully if I'm doing that every week with a Jesse Hopkins here at Broken Arrow, then hopefully Jesse is taking that same approach and going, how can I do that with my, you know, high school guy coordinators for each grade and sit down with them and their families and spending time with them and connecting with their their kids individually, things like that. So a lot of that has to do with just the interpersonal relationship. You know, you and I know from experience like proximity is what breeds intimacy. And so yeah. I've got to get connected to them. I've got to get in their world and uh, get to know them, spend time with them. That's a weekly check-in, whether maybe it's coffee, breakfast, whatever. Uh, it's, a, it's a weekly text message, you know, as, simply, as simple as something like that. I remember I had this leader, Ken Good here at Broken Arrow, who walked through just a horrendous situation in his family, and, and it was me and Ken specifically, namely through the pandemic just me texting him on a regular basis every week or at least every other week and connecting with, Hey man, how's it going? How's, how you doing? What, how's, how you feeling with this going on right now? You know, how's your wife, how's your kids dealing with it? You know, those kind of things. And through that, it built a, a relationship with me and Ken that he, he's, he's, he's loyal, man. He's locked mm-hmm. in. He's, he's coming every week, not just because he loves students and he loves kids, but he feels cared for and valued as a volunteer as well. Mm-hmm
1: man it's so good i i want to come back to the empower part of that that you mentioned just a second ago but before we get there um you know you've talked about the care and we gave an example there of ken specifically and just reaching out and being in someone else's world and and deciding to take a step towards people what are some warning signs uh if if you're doing that right like if people. And again, like Brian serves in a context that's different than a lot of other student ministry contexts. These are principles that you can take and apply in, in any setting. So if you're saying, man, I, my student ministry is smaller than that. We have one campus and you know, so on, you're still limited by your capacity to personally invest. And so Brian has some staff and volunteers, you might be in a situation where you just have volunteers and you can still create this organizational structure where you have coordinators that help you care for more people than you can care for just by yourself. Um, so I just wanted to pause and make sure that listeners that you heard yeah. that in, in this moment. Um, but if we're doing that, and if we're choosing to care for people more than just caring for their role, and we're stepping into people's lives what are some warning signs that that show that a leader is just getting exhausted that they're discouraged that they're that they're about to hit that burnout point in serving
2: yeah it's a great question and it and it's one that really causes me to stop and think about you know what are those things that i've seen along the way and some of those namely are one they stop listening to vision like mm. If you have people in your ministry, they're serving and they're they're either tuning out or when you're casting visions, you're talking about things that are coming up. You're you're talking and painting a picture about what God's doing and they're they're not in, you know, you can tell, right? Like those ones that are not engaged or not listening or or whatever, like that's a big piece. So they stop listening to vision. Another is that they stop being energized, you know, and, and I don't just mean like they stop feeling cared for, but they stop laughing, like they stop smiling, right? Like they They're not necessarily engaged when they're there on a Sunday morning or on Wednesday or whatever your context is. Um, People that stop talking to anybody outside their inner circle, right? So they come in, maybe they only associate with two or three people, but they don't really associate with students well. They don't really associate with other leaders well. uh, Typically is a sign that they're heading out. Uh, Another one would be that they stop talking to you, right? Like Mm -hmm. as a leader of the ministry, uh, a lot of times people will avoid you if they don't, you know, maybe that's conviction. I don't know. Maybe that's just, uh, you know, their own, uh, personal preference. I don't know. But, uh, a lot of times they'll stop connecting with you at some level. And that's usually a sign that they're, they're, they're on the way out. And then the last is obviously that they are inconsistent attending and then stop attending, right? Like they, they, they're, they're not engaged on a week to week basis. And I think with a lot of things, and this is a whole nother conversation probably for another day, but, You know, we we have some ministries in our church that only have people serving once a week or once a month or excuse me, once a once every other week or once a month. But student ministry, we've always kind of had that precedent, at least for me, is that they're going to serve. They're going to be there every week and they're going to be locked in every week. And that's taxing, right? Like, I mean, there's there's not a lot of breaks there. And so we try to be graceful with the time. Yeah, I mean, you're on vacation. Go do your thing. You know, we do leave responsibility in place that they help us figure out. You know what that coverage looks like for their group and things like that. We do have floaters and some other things to help that, and hopefully that they feel that. And and then we encourage the conversation though beyond that. Hey, if you if you need some time, you need a break. If you know things aren't necessarily working well in your community group, and you need somebody to help step in and kind of help lead or whatever, like let us know. Right? Try to have that open dialogue and conversation, but. Ultimately, if they're inconsistent, uh, if they're not engaged on the week to week, then they're usually on the way out. Yeah.
1: What does that conversation look like? Uh, Maybe not like the, hey, it's time for you to leave conversation, but just you're (laughs) starting to you're starting to notice some things. And, you know, like, hey, this person's disengaging this leader. uh, As you describe, maybe they're not listening to vision. They're not laughing or smiling and avoidance (laughs) as a part of that what does that initial conversation look like? Because again, this is yeah, like, this isn't a rare issue that somebody, uh, has been serving either for a while or is, tr- or tried it out and it just didn't work. Right. Like they just got into it and maybe it was the every week nature the, of, of the thing. And maybe their seventh grade boys weren't listening for extended period of time and they just got sick of it. So this isn't a right. rare, this isn't a rare issue, but what does that conversation look like in, uh, And just walking up to somebody or sitting in a meeting with somebody and saying, Hey, let's talk about this.
2: Yeah. I mean, it goes back to that proximity brings intimacy, right? Like you've got to be close enough to your people and like talking and engaging with them to know kind of the signs. But then once you do, uh, it's, it's asking those kind of questions of going, Hey man, what's going on? Yeah. What can I help you with? What can I be praying with you with? Is there anything I can come alongside you in, you know, and I had a situation several years back in Cleveland where, I had a leader who was struggling in his marriage but he hadn't verbalized it to me i just started seeing the signs of his disconnection and so finally you know started talking with him and went to lunch with him and engaging with him about it and he he opened up and began to tell me about you know the situation that was going on in his family and things like that and i just said hey man it's it's february may is not very far away like why don't you take a break you know like you you're one of my, the most faithful people i've ever been around but Clearly, there's a disconnect, and your guys are, you know, not necessarily benefiting from that either. That you're leading on a on a week to week. So, why don't you take a break and mm-hmm. uh, get step out, get healthy, find find refuge with your with your wife, with your family, and uh, and and through that, thankfully, you know, they came back in in, in August and were there ever since. You know, so I, I think there's sometimes we just have to like give permission to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that makes sense, like yeah. give them the out a little bit or give them the break that they're so desperately seeking to to right the ship. And, and it's not lack of accountability, right? Like I'm still going to try to check in and see how things are going and, and make sure that I'm still staying connected with him relationally. Uh, but just being able to allow the freedom of that and that conversation that initially starts with, you know, hey, how's it going? What can I be praying for you? How can I come alongside of you? opens up
1: a lot of conversation sometimes that you're not necessarily expecting man and your last point there is so good because it's not like when they're out of student ministry it's like okay see you man good luck with all that but because there's a care for the person more than just the role they fill in a program it's hey i'm gonna stay in touch with this guy and i'm gonna keep reaching out and i'm gonna keep letting them know that we're praying for them uh i love Love that so much. We, you know? I wanted to make sure and talk about with you, like what are some things that you've put in place to help leaders stick with it for the long run? Because anybody that served in student ministry for more than a few years knows that when you have leaders that are multi-year. Bought into the vision year after year after year that 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 you're really starting to build momentum in a student ministry. Like it takes that to really get that flywheel turning. Um, right. You mentioned the care piece of that, and that is a huge part of that. And the other thing that you mentioned along with the care was that their empowerment, uh, their feeling ownership in the ministry. That it's they're not just helping you fulfill your vision, but they actually have now said, this is my vision as well for the student ministry. That's right. Yeah. What, uh? what are some practices that you guys have to help them develop that ownership?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's namely one thing, but we, about a year and a half, two years ago, of course I kind of had little pieces of this for years now, but one of the things that was big on Alex's heart a couple of years ago was adopting this dream team structure And when we when we say dream team, it was, you know, basically taking the volunteer title and saying, hey, these are our dream teamers, the ones that are bought in serving in our ministry. But for me, it became a little bit more than that of going, how can I build in my mind the 92 dream team? Right. Like I want the best of the best (laughs) people uh, across our entire church to be serving in student ministry. And so when we took this dream team structure, and it was the the elements that we've already talked about, right? It's the equipping piece, the training, the, mm-hmm. you know, how can we give them what they need? It's the empower piece, which I'll talk about, and then the, the energize, how do you care for them? But dream team structure was the biggest thing, and that was kind of the way in which we said, we want to give ownership of the ministry to people that are not just staff, uh, specifically, namely volunteers and the students uh, that we we're actually ministering to. And so for Dream Team for us, it's it looks like we have like COVID has been crazy in a lot of ways. And we 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 did like go into a scramble early on, but I think we quickly went from scramble to strength when God began to do a work probably about eight months ago to not only release people that were kind of so so attenders or inconsistent leaders, but then to bring in a lot of new families and new blood and people into the mix that were really, really bought in. And so we've actually grown our student counts are getting back, but we've actually grown in our volunteer base from where we were over a year ago mm. uh, in a big way because of just the vision of the dream team that we've created. And it goes so much beyond uh, small group leaders. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of times in student ministry, we should all just understand and accept right now. Like, we're always going to be desperate for more small group leaders. Like it doesn't matter where you are.
1: Yeah. Even if you're always your recruiting.
2: Or. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter how small or how big your church is. Like you're always going to be needing community leaders. Like <laughs> that's, that's so always true. going to be the main need. But for us, it became okay for dream team. We want to empower and equip volunteers in where the area and, and gifting God has created in them. So if, if, if I got a Jesse Dewey who comes on at broken arrow and her passion is students, but her passion is not to teach and her passion is not to lead a community group of students. Her passion uh, and the thing that she does for employment is she's a photographer. So we positioned her as a coordinator in our ministry to help kind of do some task force things. But she also every week takes photos for our ministry and now we have social media assets that we can post on a constant, right? Mm. Like there's things like that that we go, okay, what is the thing that God's gifted you and wired you in? What's the thing that you're passionate about? And then how can we create a position essentially for you and design for you to help our student ministry grow? And you know, we built in layers of leadership in that dream team where we've got you know, volunteer leads and coordinators and task force leads and hello team leads and all this stuff. Uh, but all of those are just positions that we've said, hey, we wanna create layers of leadership to give ownership of the ministry to the volunteers. To where when I walk in on a Sunday morning, besides maybe teaching or you know leading something from the front every now and then like i I don't do much right like it's them coming in and creating the atmosphere setting up the the room setting up the tables making the coffee getting everything in place uh they bought into the vision and they're coming in and they're doing it yeah Uh, we also adopted the same model for every single event that we do now so everything that we do like kate our girls minister is doing a a girls night tonight like she's got a dream team of girls volunteers for girls night i have a dream team for our camp that we're doing this summer where uh, we're doing it differently so it's got a little bit of a strategic you know mess but we're trying to figure out and so we've created this dream team where i've got a camp director who's over the whole thing who's actually a volunteer he just he serves and he leads you know 30 different divisions in his company. Mm. And so with that, he's a high capacity leader who can come in and he loves camp and lead our entire camp dream team, right? And then underneath that, you've got a logistics coordinator who leads all the logistics for camp. You've got a communication director who leads all All these people are volunteers. Mm. All these people are people who have other job nine to five, right? But they're coming and they're bought into the vision of student ministry and they're helping carry out the vision to where hopefully it frees me up, frees our staff up, frees our even some of our volunteers up to be able to minister, to shepherd, to lead um, when we get on campus. And so it's a powerful thing when you can empower somebody, give them ownership, because not only are they involved, they're bought in, but then they're there for the long haul because it's theirs, yeah. right? Like they have a stake in it.
1: It's a powerful way to structure it. It's it's discipleship of those people and yes. finding their gifted and their gift mix, talents and Given them a meaningful role to fill. And yeah. man, like you nailed it in that last part. It frees you guys up to shepherd, to be with people, to care. And and I think if, if student ministry people really got real and said like, what is the thing that I thought I would do be, be doing more of as a full-time or part-time student pastor, but I'm not actually doing a lot of? It's the caring for people on an individual basis part, right? Yeah. Like, cause there are, you know, bivocational part-time and full-time student pastors that are listening to this. And man, I, I bet they're saying, yep, I spend a lot more time on all those other things that you just mentioned. You have as volunteer led roles. Yeah. Uh, and and so, let me just
2: encourage Ben, like yeah. one of like for people listening, the context of which, we operate like I feel like I need to say this like it's not just a for me talking about it from a 30,000 foot view it's you know we have campuses like I was at our midtown campus last night we had 50 students and we've got one student pastor and he's literally allowing volunteers to run the entire thing Mm -hmm. we have a downtown campus right now that doesn't have a student pastor that's literally functioning off of dream teamers on a week-to-week basis but they're not it's not imploding, right? Because they're carrying it out. They're bought in and they're executing ministry. So it doesn't have to be this. I've got to have more staff or more. Like all I need is able-bodied volunteers who are bought in and I, I can recruit, empower, and and help set in place for what the ministry that God has for you.
1: Man, I uh, I believe that today's conversation, Brian, with you is, is going to be so beneficial to student ministry leaders out there as they consider structuring their own volunteer team, different ways to look at it. Maybe they're in a place, especially in this last year where they're going, man, I've got a group of leaders that are tired and how, how are we going to start strong in the fall? And, uh, what you've been able to share with us today has been awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for the privilege of being on. Absolutely. So we're going to hear one quick message from Katie and we'll be right back after that for some more conversation.
0: Did you know you can find even more practical content on recruiting and training volunteers on our YouTube channel, Student Ministry That Matters? Each week, we release a brand new video from Ben designed to encourage and equip you as you lead students and their families. Visit youtube.com slash student ministry that matters and subscribe today.
1: Welcome back, everybody, uh, for part two of this conversation where Katie and Nathan and I go through what we learned today. Man, so much good stuff. Mm -hmm. From Brian, uh, listeners to the podcast, man, I hope that all of you really enjoyed that conversation. Some practical, good stuff there for everybody. Nathan, why don't we start with you? Mm -hmm. What uh, what takeaways from today?
3: Yeah, one of the big things I took away, I love what he talks about, like when he's talking about encouraging and empowering leaders. Like I think that is the biggest thing that is the the biggest deterrent to burnout is empowerment. Yeah, When that leader feels bought in, they don't just feel like, man, I'm just showing up to hold this door open or to give some high fives or flip a burger or or even if it's, you know, I'm just here to lead this other group, you know, or whatever. Like, whenever they are bought in, they feel a part of the ministry because they know they're a crucial part of the ministry. Man, that empowerment, I think, is just so key. I agree with you. that And the ways that he talked about doing that, too, Mm and
1: creating those dream teams where where they, I mean, it's, they, they have say in it and yep. they are, they're leading it. And the, the example, one of the examples on this topic that he gave was, Hey, we've got a campus right now where we're looking to hire a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. And right now it's being run by the dream team and it's rolling. Yeah. Like they're still, they're still doing it. So man, it sounds like, and here's what I love too, is from that, it sounds like they have things really going in a great direction but if you notice like he said this has been the last year and a half or two years where we've implemented this mm-hmm. so church has been around for a long time i know uh from knowing alex that he's been there for a long time mm-hmm. brian's been there for several years years and so man that's an encouragement to me because it's like if this isn't something you're doing even for a, an established church with longtime leaders in, in positions mm-hmm. This is something that you can
3: implement that'll help you go to the next level. Yeah, for sure. And I love it, too, because it's not it's just what he talked about, but it, it's so scalable. It doesn't really matter the size of your group. Like you can have volunteers who are bought in and be on your dream team. Yeah. You know, and so I just I love that because that I really think that's going to avoid a lot of that burnout. Churches
1: of any size can do exactly what we talked about today, yeah. and I think I think what's important to know about Brian, too, is that Brian served in contexts of different sizes, mm-hmm. and so this is something that he has experience with. Katie, what about you?
0: Gosh, I really loved the relational aspect of this, and it kind of kicked off with a question of like, hey, how do you know how to let go? of a leader, which we have a YouTube video about, actually. <laughs> How to know when to fire a leader. Like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I, I loved the, the his point um, there. And my thought was like sometimes, sometimes a disconnect with your volunteers is that there is a need for more vision, more investment from you in a certain way, a training around their role. But sometimes it's not, like sometimes it mm-hmm. is just possible that their disconnect is not about you. It's not about student ministry at all.
1: Yeah. It's about mm-hmm. what's going
0: on in their life. Um, and I think that that was such a good reminder that it is so important that you care enough for your people uh, to know when it's time to to relieve them, um, to give them permission, because that's not necessarily something that they are going to ask for themselves.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great because it also gives them the ability to step away. It gives it gives him the ability to say because I loved what he said when when he was talking about the dream t- team of what is this person gifted in? What is this person good at? We can create a job for you. Yeah, and I think a lot of times it's, we don't flip the coin over. We don't turn the, turn the question around. We're like, oh, I've got this need. I've got to find somebody to plug it in here. And so maybe it's a you know maybe it's maybe not square pegs and round holes, but maybe we're trying to sand them off so that they fit. You know what I mean? And instead. Yeah i guarantee you whatever somebody's gifted at we can find a way to use that in student ministry and we probably hadn't even thought about it it's going to be better if we do that and then that brings them then they're empowered and they're gifted and they're good at it and so i think that's just it just you know it's that cycle again less burnout because they're good at it they're empowered and they're yeah. bought in one of the reasons for
1: that burnout could be that they they are just not thriving in the role that that you have them in and so finding out how to how to put them in the right spot yeah. can help them to thrive. And Katie, I I think your statement of it may not be about you or mm-hmm. about the yeah. ministry. It might be something that's going on with them. And Brian used the phrase, sometimes they just need permission to step away. Mm-hmm. Because there can be a lot of like when you s- think about it in terms of the people that are serving with you, they've said, this is something I want to do. Mm-hmm. I want to serve mm-hmm. in ministry. Mm-hmm. There's probably a lot of guilt for some people when they get to the place where they know they need to step away. Maybe there's a change in their job and Mm -hmm. they just don't have the time that they once had. Maybe they travel a lot. Well, you know, that's a bad example with COVID, but (laughs) maybe maybe their schedule has changed. Maybe something their family has changed and it's just too much. Knowing them well enough and having the personal relationship with them to be able to sit down and have an open conversation where they can just say, Man, it's just too much right now mm-hmm. could be so free that is pastoring your leaders
0: yeah I, I think of two two more things there one is uh, that it's not always forever you're not just saying okay well you're right. not good right now so peace out um but what does it look like to continue that relationship and to check back in the second thing is uh, what a model that can be i mean for students as well, we've t- you've talked about it before. That appropriate vulnerability, that like, hey, like it's okay that your leaders maybe don't have it all together, that mm. they're not all great all the time, um, and that that can actually have a benefit in discipleship in your ministry when there's a model of like. Things ne- aren't necessarily okay. Obviously, you have to know that they can perform their job well um, and lead students well. But uh, but just to create an environment where, you know, it's it, you don't have to have it absolutely all together all the time and you're still welcome here. Um, I think it's really important.
3: Yeah. yeah. And I loved how he said he kept caring for them even when they weren't volunteering and serving. And I think that's yeah. crucial. Yeah, it's big. Hey, just a quick recap,
1: uh, because I thought that was so, this was so valuable if you're looking for kind of a sticky model to implement or some language to go along with this. The three things that Brian does as a part of his volunteer team, his DRE team, is to equip, to empower, and to energize. So three E's there. I love it when they all, I love it when a plan comes together.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this has been another episode of the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. We will see you next week.